welcome to the Waste of Web Space podcast, episode 80. Starring Jimbo and Fisher. And did you notice I put a bit more emphasis on that today, Fisher? Um, no. Well, eight, I, said, I said 80. Ah, right, like a darts caller. Kind of, but mainly From because it's a big episode, isn't it? Of course it is. Number 80. What a great episode that is. Why is it a big episode? Well, because it's, it's just a big number. You know, if it was an 80th birthday, we'd be partying, skateboarding away, celebrating. Probably not skateboarding, but we'd be we'd be celebrating. We'd have family round. I was at a wedding. Well, not, we, 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 wouldn't, we wouldn't have family round because that would be breaking yeah. the law currently. Uh, well, in, family round in normal times. Okay. Um, in, I, I went to a wedding a few years ago in Norwich, and we uh, the wedding was on the Friday. We'd gone down on the Friday morning from Sheffield, and... Uh, obviously, the next day was, was the Saturday. And I had a wander around this hotel that the wedding was in. And there were two parties um, on at that hotel that particular day. It was an 80th birthday and a 90th birthday. Oh, wow. So I did, uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was most impressed at that. I did kind of <laughs> think that there's probably got, not going to be too many loud bangs and noises and all that sort of stuff. It might be two more fairly quiet affairs. Um, before we talk about that monstrosity on your top lip, um, shall we introduce the rest of the episode? And what our yeah, episode's called, okay? So, um, this episode, episode 80, is called Dancing, Brackets, Fighting in Downing Street. Have you heard the song Dancing in the Street before? Uh, by, I I've heard the song Dancing in the Street. There's two versions of it. Can you name both versions? Uh, well, Mick Jagger and David Bowie did a version once, I think, didn't they? That's the second version. Well, that's the, I think that's the, the, that's the cover, or one of the cover versions. Yeah, uh, I'm not too sure I sang it originally, no. It's Martha Reeves and the Vandellas originally, but I've chosen the David Bowie and uh, David Bowie and Mick Jagger version to, to cover. Um, have you ever seen the version of that song where they've removed the music and they've kind of just got their, like, singing on Have you ever looked at that on YouTube? There's, like, a funny version I, of that song. I've never done that, Jimba. Have a no, look. They've, ca- they've stripped the music off and they've added, like, sounds to it as if they've not got the sound you people who've seen it you'll understand what i mean but in the meantime episode 80 fighting in downing street are you ready go on then a falling out has occurred amongst the team who boris meets with the guy who drove to test his sight Now Dom's leading down in streets Dom, get in your car and go Go by any means Wave bye-bye to Chris Whitty All there is is fighting and tension Amongst the Tories everywhere They'll be dithering, dallying, and you turn naked As Dom leaves down in streets It doesn't matter about the virus out there They're too busy fighting to even care So come on, Boris, sort it out Before your own party turns you out Cause of the fighting Fighting in Downing Streets Quite apt, actually, that while that was playing, and it was obviously about Dom leaving Downing Street, uh, Dom, um, Dom Crook of the Do- uh, Country pa- Country Talk with podcast, uh, Country Talk with Dom podcast, who's been on this podcast before as our quizmaster, and we'll have to get him on again because we, we've agreed we need to do another Jimbo v Fisher quiz, don't we? Yeah. What 
what was the score in that, by the way? I can't remember. Very even, it wasn't it? I think it might have even been a draw. So we've, we've got yeah. we've got scores to settle. But just as we were playing yeah. that, yeah, Dom managed to he's, he's give us a shout out. So thanks for for, for listening in, Dom, and uh, watching in. And um, we're not referring to you. We are, of course, referring to to Dominic Cummings in that particular song. Um, although if you have been in Downing Street, Dom, fair play to you. Well done for for getting yeah. in there. If if you're after <laughs> another job at the moment, Dom, then there is one available in Downing Street for you. Um, it's for it's for Dominic C. So. Get yourself in there. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they won't even have to... If, if they've just got, you know, on the desk, if they've just got... If they've got Dominic Cummings on, on his sort of, you know, little sign that he has, they could just cover up the rest of the... They could just cover up the ummings. Yeah. Keep the C. What do you think? Oh, there we go. There'd be and, a lot of ummings and ahrings about that one. <laughs> anyway, Fisher, time for your breaking news. Uh, well, not... Well, thanks. Uh, I've not really got any. Uh, you can see if I, any visual... Uh, watchers today. You're not going to quite get it if you're purely listening to the audio version of this podcast, but I'm currently participating in the tradition of growing a moustache. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, Jimbo, but um, I'm trying to hark back to times long ago when growing a moustache was something that was just simply enjoyable and acceptable. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I do, yeah. Um, what's that event called? Lockdown. Uh, no, not lockdown. Well, I was thinking, oh. I was hoping you were going to say Movember. And oh, I was right. Say, okay. No, Jimbo. Oh, I should know that. I was going to say. I thought you was referring to the fact that when in original lockdown we could just all let his hair grow and his beards grow and it was absolutely fine. Oh no, I was hoping you were going to say no. Movember and I was going to say no, Jimbo, the 1980s. <laughs> uh, ne- never mind. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to trying to grow a moustache. Uh, it's just sort of something that's a bit bit different. Yeah, we're in lockdown again, so why not try and uh, try and do it? Well, uh, I, I by the looks of it, you're not participating, Jimbo. No, well, I'm, I'm not. Well, I'm, I, I shaved. I, I forgot really, and I kind of shaved early in November, but I'm not shaved since, so, you know, we, we could, by the end of the month, we could be there with it, I don't know, but, what, it's, it's very faint, but I'm not, I'm not really yeah. trying in particular, I've just not shaved for about a week, so, it, it's coming back through, but anyway, I have been supporting Movember, though, which of course is the men's health campaign, uh, charity, and it gets people talking about their health, because men don't, we, we tend to sort of clam up about it a little bit, not go and visit our GPs, not talk about his mental health, um, and Movember's there to kind of raise awareness of that, get people talking about the health, particularly men, and also raise money for charities like prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and I think the other one's mental health and suicide prevention charities as well. So, on my other podcast, for sure, we're out talking about yeah. this. Yeah, go on, let's talk about your other podcast, on shall we? and Audio, you featured on it this week because you sent me some some one-word phrases to describe famous moustached celebrities, and we did one each day, and yeah, that's been going quite well. Um, apart from the fact that for some reason Spotify decided to put episode 11 on after episode 12, so we had a bit of an issue right, with okay. that, but uh, anyway, we don't have those kind of issues with the Waste of Web Space podcast, do we? Nope, and um, we're really enjoying episode 85 here, aren't we? <laughs> and I think it's because uh, the, the the people who um, have to kind of review the episodes before they go on can't be asked to sit through an hour and a half's episode of the Waste of Web Space yeah. podcast, so they, they just let it go through the net, don't they, I think? I think that's yeah. that's what it is. Um, anyway, should we get us drinks? Yeah, let's get us drinks, come on. Actually, I, I, I've not finished my breaking news anyway. Oh, go on, carry on. Yeah, we've had new carpets down this week. Um... Fish has got new carpets. Got new carpets, yeah. Um, so I was telling I was telling my mum about it. I said to her, "We're getting new carpets down tomorrow." And do you know what she said? She said, "Oh, are you getting rid of that horrible brown carpet on your landing and on your stairs?" Oh yeah. And do you know what I said? I said, "No, we're keeping that. We're getting new ones <laughs> in the bedroom and in the, in the lounge and the dining room." Oh, but, do, they, do they do they match the curtains? Um, they do a little bit. Yeah, it looks quite nice. <laughs> I'm quite impressed with with how everything's gone. It looks, good. Looks quite good. Uh, well selected. I'll tell you what. 
These, these guys who fit carpets, they don't hang around. They come in, get the carpets down, and bang, off they go. They, they do, yeah. They not long at all. Yeah. Oh. Most impressed. I bet. What well, you, um, you, you, you? I think you know. Once when I had some carpet fitted, um, they 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 came in and they they made a terrible job of it. They was there and they were they were looking it, scratching the head because it was all sort of bunching together. And I said to him, "For God's sake, get a grip." Hey. Thank you very much. Uh, we're getting his drinks. Well, let's get his drink. What's, what's been happening with you? Uh, I've just said the Ale and Audio podcast. Is that all? You're not, you're not doing anything else at the moment. I know we can't go out, but still. I've been to a few parks. I've been uh, surveying. You know, I could, I could, I should have started a spreadsheet where I give local parks with playgrounds and stuff. Uh, you know, an out of ten score because I'm obviously looking for things to do with the daughters. Trouble. It's difficult. Um, and I, and and I, I, the the parks that would score higher are the parks that have got like tarmac surfaces rather than grassy or muddy areas around the the play apparatus. Yeah. Um, I presume you want sort of that absorbent type of tarmac that's a bit soft when you when you touch it, don't you? Exactly. Otherwise, if you fall over and bang your head, then it's going to work quite a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not unless, not unless... a concern for me. It's more. Although maybe I did. I don't know if I told you this, but in the summer during lockdown one, I went to well just coming out of lockdown one, I went to, I went to Chapel Town Park and I was pushing Ada on the swing and I got a bit bored and I thought right, I'm going to push Ada and see if I can run underneath the swing. As she's gone up, I'm going to run underneath the swing. So I did it. Attempted it. And I only fell flat on my face, grazed all my elbows on my... And, and I noticed that there was a camera on the park as well, so someone somewhere is having a good laugh. And I, how I've not got on YouTube yet, I'm not sure. Um, but Ada was very confused and remains very confused to this day about what I was trying to do. So there you yeah. go. Did, uh, did Ada take you home so you could see your mummy and um, <laughs> yeah. look after and explain what had happened? Ada put a plaster on my knee and give it a kiss better. Yeah, so... Yeah, very good. Uh, should we get... Yeah. Should we have our beers? But obviously, as you can see, I'm a top dad. Well done. We um, and as you can see... With this moustache, I'm Mexican. <laughs> Drinks time. Go on, what you've got. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got Fuller's Frontier, a London, London premium lager. It's brewed with, according to it, New World hops and Old World malt. But uh, as you can tell, it's the same old bullshit on the, uh, <laughs> on, on, the, <laughs> on, the, on the can there. So what's it claim to do? Oh, I don't know. It's brewed at the Griffin Brewery in Chiswick. Um, it probably contains the normal stuff that all of the beers contain. I'm assuming it's a bit lagery. Let's uh, let's see what it tastes like. Off you go. Go, Jimbo. I have got a can of Hepcat. Can you see that? Hep. Uh, I Hep, can see it. Yeah. Hepcat. I'm a bit concerned, by the way, that I've not put my lights on before this episode, so I might have to nip off during the next interval um, and put my lights on because it will go very dark very quickly at the time we started recording this, won't it? So Hepcat, Gypsy Hill Brewery, which is based in. London, I believe. Um, yep, Gypsy Hill Brewing Code London. Doesn't say whereabouts in London, but SE27, if that's helpful. Uh, it's a session IPA, 4.6%. I've really enjoyed, actually, a lot of the... I've been trying a lot of different beers recently. And, uh, again, it's, I need to... I'm trying to keep a record using my Ale and Audio Instagram page and podcast page. And so I'm not trying to promote it, by the way. But I'm saying I'm trying to keep a record of all these things so that I can remember and then ordering the ones that I really, really like, so... Well, which which part of London do you think it's brewed in from its postcode? SE twenty. Have you got? Have you got? Have you googled it? Uh, well, no. Just 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 have a rough guess. I would say North London, South East. Oh, of course, of course. Sorry. You see, you're learning on this podcast. That's but, why I think Wimbledon is in Southwest London. That's SW19 postcode, isn't it? Probably mm. one of the more famous London postcodes. And yeah. uh, think if you're in Central it's EC, isn't it? It's very nice, this, by the way. I don't know if they put... See, they have a different sort of person on the front of their cans on, on the different beers that they make. Uh, and I don't know if it's... if it's I don't know the people who are to do with the company or whatever, but I'd, I'd be intrigued to find out more about who it is who goes on the front of these uh, cans. But anyway, maybe I'll try and find out for the future or next time or, or whatever. Anyway, 
Uh, are we ready to, to move forward and get on with the rest of it? Yeah, come on, let's get, let's get moving. Okay, so uh, I've just gone and turned my lights on, as you can see. It's time now for my show and tell, so uh, where we bring an item on to be taking turns each week and bit, play a bit of a, a, a true fun or lie game, isn't it, basically? You've got to guess as to what the story is behind the item. So here is my item this this time around, and I'm going to have to hold it a certain way so not to give anything away. There you go, Fisher. Okay, oh, so that's, a, that's a trophy. A trophy. Some form, yeah. Okay. I can't quite see what's uh, what's on there and what well, the I'm half what turned, it looks like. I turned it round because I don't want you to see some of the detail on the trophy. So right. The, okay. So the story behind this trophy, then, okay. Um, there's one story, but then there's two different reasons behind it. Okay. So what is the trophy? Is basically the thing, but the story behind it is that uh, while sorting through my junk from the loft and going through things and chucking things away, I had to do a big sort out recently. You know, moving studios and everything. Um, I I found a box of trophies. A lot of them were football trophies, um, but I found this in there as well, okay? But what is it, all right? So is it, A, it's not my trophy. It's actually my brother's football trophy, and I was I was kind of lining up, because I had to get rid of these trophies, right? And I didn't want to... I didn't, I didn't want to get rid of them without having some sort of record that I actually had some football trophies once once upon a time. So I put them all up and took a picture of them, and then afterwards realised that one of them's not even mine. It's my brother's. Or reason number two, this is mine, but it's not a football trophy. It is a top student trophy. Uh, well, I think obviously it must be the first one then, because <laughs> you'd never... Uh, um, so, well, which brother... Well, let's, let, let's go through the two options. Um, so we're clear on the fact it's a trophy that has been in your possession for some time. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so, which brother does it belong to? It belongs or, to... Or, it belongs to Jono, this one. My eldest of my youngest brothers. Yeah. Of my younger so brothers. So you've got three, th- three brothers. You're the oldest. Jono's the middle and yeah. Jack's, but, um, but Jack's I'm, the youngest. But I'm the smallest, being the oldest. Jono being the yeah. one in the middle is the middlest. <laughs> and Jack's the yeah. tallest, being the oldest. Of course. Because um, it was great, because when you were growing up, the three of you remained at the same height throughout, didn't you? It was, it was, it was unbelievable how it worked, because of that way height worked. Yeah, our, the our Jack just came out massive. Yeah. Um... It's a shame because you could never do that uh, that sketch on the Frost Report with John Cleese, Ronnie Barker, and Ronnie Corbett with the old "I look down on you, you look down on him" kind of thing. It just yeah. didn't work because you're all the same height. Um, so I think that so it's it's obviously well from what you say it's John O's. Uh, is it a football trophy? Did you say it's jo- it's a football trophy for John O, and it is from winning the for- the, the the Hoyland Falcons uh, five aside tournament two thousand and two. I, I do find it quite sad that you kind of bring these trophies on just and show off with them, but um, <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, so, uh, I mean, obviously it's only one trophy, which is not that impressive. So, so what do you say? It was Holy Island Falcons five aside Island Common Falcons five aside tournament two thousand and two winner. Okay, uh, and in the second uh, example, it was for being a top student. What specifically was that for? Uh, it was for being a top student. Uh, is it in a specific subject? No, uh, just in year 11. It says, year 11, top students, 2002-2003. Um, 
Well, I suppose you start to hold on that argument is if it was year 11, we uh, were in year 11, 2003, 2004, no, weren't we? I agree with that. I agree with that. But if this does say on it 2002, 2003, if I'm telling the truth. Okay. I'm not trying to cover um, up a mistake there, if that's the truth. Just top students. So is it for your class or just for the entire year? Or It uh, doesn't really specify, and I can't really remember. Do you not remember winning it, surely? I mean, it's in year or, 11. We, did we sit next to each other in year 11? At certain times, yeah. We sat next to each other in English, didn't we? And you know, as a top student, because I was in the top I set. I, I think you're in the top set. I wouldn't necessarily say you're you're one of the top students. I mean, you were you you were in the top set, and and quite rightly so, with your amazing English ability. It's almost as though it's the first language for you. Um, <laughs> I've, so I so I don't know why the year will be incorrect. Similarly, there's not much detail you won it for. So you 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 were all right at school, weren't you? You were. I was all right. But as you like to pick you like to pick holes in my in my studious abilities. As you did in a few episodes back, when you talked about my anthology. Uh, yes, you spend a fair amount of time messing around as well as I think we all did. And how Part you blame? And how you you blame me for my part in a science experiment that went? Although I like to remind everybody that wasn't actually me. Uh, I, I think you were heavily involved in ruining a number of science experiments that uh, that I was involved in. But <laughs> that, that was only because I was I wasn't in the top set for science one year, which was very disappointing. <laughs> You quickly um, got out of that that hole, though, didn't you? Oh yeah, I was, I was, it was sort of coming next year. I was, I was into the top set. <laughs> um, so I, I just, so I don't think that. How many other trophies were in that box of trophies? Um, there was a lot, probably about fifteen to twenty different trophies. Quite a fair amount. I mean, so what? Half of those were John Owls, half of them Jacks. No, no, there was there was all mine, apart from this particular one. If it's that example. Yeah. And were they all were they all football related as well, or have you won trophies for other things? They were all football related, but I do tell a lie. There was a couple of swimming certificates in there as well, which also weren't mine. All right, okay. Um, so I think it's time for a decision. They're both both fairly plausible, um, except from the fact that the second one isn't that plausible. The idea that and it was definitely awarded to you. Yes, to me. If, it, if, if it's for if your it's, academic achievements, if it's for academic achievements, it's for me. Yeah. Okay. Even though the year is wrong, it definitely says on year eleven. It says on year 11. I Could you have... I don't know, because I, I, I also won a fair amount of awards at school, it's fair to say. I mean, seriously, quite a fair amount of awards. Um, I I I think you might have somehow managed to win some kind of school-related achievement award, albeit not one that I can particularly remember. So I'm going to say that you have got an award for school achievement. And you would be... <laughs> Correct. So... This, and I'll reveal, so just I can prove to you. I mean, I don't know how much you'll be able to see that on there. Can you see it? Uh, yeah, I think it said, yeah. 11, 11 OS, yeah. James Wilmshurst, and it says something like Top Student Award. And can you see the year? It does say 2002 slash 03. Which I never picked up on at the time, because we we did leave school in 2003-2004, didn't we? That uh, year. Uh, well, we left in 2004, yeah. Um, so, so it would have been, it would have been yeah. 03, 04. So how that's happened, unless they gave these out at Christmas or something, that's all I can say, but but then surely it should have had year 10 on it. But yeah, I got that at the end. I'm sure it was at the end of year 11. And like I wouldn't have minded winning, because do you remember they used to do these awards every year? And I don't know if each form yep. used to get one. Like someone in each form used to get a, a, a top student award each year in mm-hmm. Lady Mabel Hall. And then you had to come down to the front and collect it. Now, I wouldn't have minded this in year seven, in year eight, even year nine. Year 11, no. <laughs> I didn't want it in year 11. I didn't Why want not? it be- because, because I was cool in year 11, Fisher. 
I didn't hang around yeah. with you. I did yeah, hang around I, I, with you. I, I, I did hang around. I think with that's you. quite a debatable point on the on, on both areas, really. <laughs> uh, but congratulations on your award. Uh, um, Thank you. And, I, and and this is in your face saying that I, all I did was draw pictures of uh, an English teacher who shall remain nameless in my anthology. I never said that's all you did at school. I'm more than happy to acknowledge that you did a little bit of work uh, somewhere along lines. But there is no denying that you did draw a picture of your English teacher in your anthology. No, and unfortunately, that, that I would have brought that onto the show if I could find that anthology, but it's still, still not something I'm able to locate. I think it might have uh, gone for good, that one, I'm afraid. Okay, why don't you bring, bring the old English teacher on instead? Could do. Could see if yeah. she's still around. There we go. So anyway, let's, uh, let, let's carry on, Jimba. Okay, so time for... You've got a feature, haven't you, Fisher? I've got a feature, um, and it's about people who are 80 this year, because it's episode 80, Yeah. and I was watching The Great British Bake Off the other day, and Prue Leith said, I'm 80, and I was a bit surprised, and I think some of the other people said, oh, didn't know she was 80, uh, probably looks a little bit younger. Um, so I've managed to find, I think it's 12 people I've got, who were all all 80 this year, all still alive, um, and I thought I'd ask a couple of questions about them, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so first up, Des O'Connor. Um, oh no, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, he, he sadly passed away uh, That's not, this morning. Uh, that, that, a fantastic entertainer, Des O'Connor. It was 88 well, as well, I think. 88, okay. 88. No, but it's uh, a shame, because, yeah, he was also one of your countdown heroes. Yeah, hosted countdown. It was, was he the third person to host countdown? So it went After, it went, it went to Richard Whiteley. Yeah. Did it go Des Lynham then? Des Lynham, yeah. And then Des O'Connor. And Des O'Connor. And then was it Jeff Stelling? Yep. And now does it? Is it different each uh, week now? Uh, it's someone else now. It is Nick Hewer. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Who yeah. used to be on The Apprentice. Who, as yeah. far as I'm aware, isn't a television presenter at all, but he just somehow got the job of doing it. Okay. Um, but yeah, works okay. So I think he's been doing it quite a while as well. Must have been doing it for a good sort of five or six years, I think, Nick Hewer. Mm-hmm. And good on him. So anyway, on to the quiz. Uh, do you know who Jack Nicholas is? Uh, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas, yes. No. No, okay. Uh, not to be confused with Jack Nicholson, I would hasten to that, add. Yeah, that's... Uh, Jack, Nic- Jack, Jack Nicholas is a well-known golfer. Okay. Um, probably, in some degrees, probably the greatest golfer who ever lived, um, or certainly before Tiger Woods came along, that was probably the case. Uh, he's nicknamed the Great Bear. Um, however, that is not his original nickname. And what did the media call Jack Nicholas before calling him the Great Bear? Was it Jack the Lad or Fat Jack? <laughs> well, the media can be pretty nasty. Um... But whether they've, they'd have called him Fat Jack, uh, I suppose if he, if it was a long time ago that he was he was in his prime, then the media might have been even less sensitive, possibly. Or maybe it was just about or maybe five it was, years ago. Oh, how how long ago? Probably about he's eighty, so probably about fifty-five years ago. I think yeah, probably about twenty-five when he was just starting and everything. And although it was Fat Jack, it might have been more. It might have been a warmer kind of nickname. It what maybe wasn't a, a mean nickname, a bit a bit warmer one back at the time. Maybe I don't know. So. Shall I take a risk and go Fat Jack? I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to say Fat Jack. Fat Jack, you'll be right. Well done. Uh, right, so from Fat Jack to Carlos Slim. Oh, right, okay. Carlos Slim? No. Is it? Uh, no. Is it? Is, is he? Uh, is he the brother of Fat Boy? Uh, he is not. Is he related um, to um, Marshall Mathers? Uh, he is not, well, not, I'm not aware of him being either of those things. Okay. Uh, but uh, what list would you find him at the top of between 20, 2010 and 2013? Slimmer of the year? Uh, it's not slimmer of the year. Is it, he's a businessman, 
and he was the richest man in the world. Or he was a renowned drug dealer who was top of the FBI's most wanted list. Mm. So what was the first one again? Uh, he was the richest man in the world. He's a businessman and was the richest man in the world. Or he was top of the uh, FBI's most wanted list. A well-known drug dealer, top of the FBI's most wanted list. Could it technically could, be, it could, could have been both. Or it could be both. It could, could be. Both, yeah. yeah. If he was doing it properly. Um, all right. Now, and, 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 you know, not to be too stereotypical, but I'm going to be, Carlos yeah. as well <laughs> yeah. suggests, uh, if it comes to, did you say, what was, what, have you, have you, did you give me any details about what he was most wanted for? Uh, drug dealing. Oh, so you did tell me that. Uh, well, uh, well, it was a drug dealer. It was top of the FBI's most wanted right. list. I don't think he was top of the most wanted list for nicking someone's car radio, to be honest, Jimbo. Right, okay. All right, then. So, but I'm going to go against stereo- stereotypes, and I'm going to say that he was uh, the, one of the richest men, or the richest men in the world, something like that. Uh, so, you think he was the richest man in the world between 2010 and 2013? Yeah. Uh, correct, he was. Well done. Uh, yeah, well-known Mexican investor. Um, I think he accounted for about 40% of the listings on the Mexican Stock Exchange. Uh, I think particularly held quite a lot of telecom stocks and all that sort of stuff. Um, CEO of a company called Telemex. Um, so, yeah, quite uh, quite well-known, quite rich. Uh, I think he's still up there. I think he's still somewhere in the top 10 wealthiest people in the world, but I think a few of the tech billionaires have taken him over, the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Jeff Bezos's, and I think Bill Gates is obviously always up there. Uh, and what have you. So next up, um, David Jason, also 80 this year. What is true about his brother? Is it that his brother is also He's a plonker. What was that? He's a plonker. Well done. <laughs> Quite right. <laughs> his brother often enjoys dress, dressing up as Robin. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is it that his brother is also an actor who has appeared alongside David Jason in a number of episodes of A Touch of Frost? Or his brother is a qualified chauffeur who often transports David Jason to most jobs he does, including driving luxury cars, as well as being able to fly a helicopter. Ah, now, um, I know that David Jason, one of his latest bits of work a few years ago, was a comedy or some sort of program about being a chauffeur, I think. Unless I've completely made that up. But I think it might have been. In which case, if you, you, could, you could have made that up because there's a little bit of truth behind that that might be a bit confusing to make me go with that answer. Or, or, or it's, I don't know, or, or he could have taken the inf- influence from his brother... And that's why they did the comedy about it. So, which one am I going to go with? It's tough. It's very tough. Um, hmm. so there's no pressure, but you've got two out of two so far. So, yeah. Do you remember that time? Can that time when you got like nine out of ten? You, you only got one wrong. Yeah. I think you could replicate that again mm. today. So there's no pressure. I, I, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go with the. F- oh, this is annoying. I'm going to go with the first one, and I think you've put the show for one in there to try and trick me because there's a bit of there's something to do with that that that. Yeah, I'm going to go with the first one. That he, He's got a brother who also appeared with him in certain things like Touch Frost. Uh, yeah, you're correct. Well done. Yes. And is that why you chose that second one as the example? Uh, no. Uh, the, the chauffeur bit was... Well, I mentioned chauffeur but just because it amused me slightly. Do you remember that episode of Only Fools and Horses where they are dressed as Batman and Robin? Yeah. And they charge into him going, no, 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 no. And they like, have the silly, yeah. silly string and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and it turns out the fellas died. Yeah. Well, uh, Trigger said... Said, I know what you mean. I'm also. Uh, I didn't realise he was dead. And he said, "What have you come dressed as? Because I'm dressed as a chauffeur. <laughs> he just got just wearing normal clothes, I, like in a suit and whatever." I don't think I've made that up though about David Jason. I think he was. I think he had got a comedy uh, about about yeah about being a chauffeur. I'm sure. I'm sure he had. But if you want to read the next question, I can try and uh, find that out well, while but, you're talking, if you want. Well, 
the second half of it about being able to fly a helicopter, David Jason is qualified to fly a helicopter. I would hasten to add. All so right. that's where I put that. Do you think in. he still think he still does that? Uh, probably. Don't see why not. Um, next up, where was where was Prue Lee born? She is 80 this year, as mentioned on the Bake Off last week. Was she born in America? Her dad used to work for Franklin D. Roosevelt, who we mentioned last week. Or was she born in South Africa? Her dad used to make dynamite for a company that manufactured products for the mining industry. So she's 80 this year, and she she turned. She's, her, her father used to make. Either used to work in America, which is where she was born, and used to work for Franklin D. Roosevelt, or uh, her dad used to work manufacturing dynamite, uh, which was then used in the mining industry in South Africa, which is where she was born. Hmm. So she was born. She was born somewhere, which was linked to her father's job. Okay. So I suppose the question could be, what did her father used to do? But I think he used to do the dynamite one. Used to make dynamite. You'd be worried about getting a cake from her now, though, wouldn't you? I imagine that, yeah. Perhaps she disliked her father, perhaps uh, you know, lighting the candles on it and see what yeah. happens. Um, uh, so she used to work manufacturing dynamite. Uh, correct, well done. I am on a roll. By the way, David Jason, it was uh, his sitcom that I kind of thought was something to do with the show for, was actually called The Royal Bodyguard. So yeah. it, it, yeah. it, it wasn't far off, but I mean, I wasn't right, but anyway. Still got the question yeah, right. Just sort of ring a bell. Uh, next up, another person who's 80 this year. Chuck Norris. Um, what's true about Chuck Norris? Everything. Is it, is everything. Everything. <laughs> if you read those Twitter things and uh, all these memes and everything, everything. Yeah. Uh, is it that the Roundhouse in Camden is nicknamed after his Roundhouse? <laughs> is it that he's got his own brand of martial arts called Chun Kim Do? Its first rule is that all participants to maximise their potential in all ways. Or is it that in 1983 it opened another bank in Texas called the Bank of Chuck? The tagline was... No one keeps your money safer than Chuck. Bank was sold in 1988 and then phased out a few years later. <laughs> um, can you just say the first one again? Because it, you broke up slightly when you were saying the first oh, one. Oh, right, okay. Uh, that must have been Chuck Norris interfering because he can control <laughs> the internet. Was it, he, had his, he has his own brand of martial arts called Chun Kim Do. Its first rule is... So, all sorry, you, you, sorry you, bro- you broke up again then, just as you were saying what his martial arts is called. That might just be the name of it, that uh, it sounds very strange. <laughs> I believe it's called Shun Kim Do. Yeah, and again. Its <laughs> <laughs> uh, first rule is all participants must develop themselves to maximise themselves in their uh, their potential in all ways. All right, okay. I'm going to go then with the talk of something failing for Chuck Norris, which was his bank. Uh, uh, well, I didn't say it failed. He just had a bank and it got bought by someone else. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go with the first one again. That he's, he's got, got his own brand of martial arts? Yeah. Once again, you'd be correct. Well done. I'm going to make Waste of Web Space podcast history today. Number number six. I think we've got five out of five so far. Number six. Al Pacino is 80 this year. What is true about him on the film franchise The Godfather? Is it is a noted method actor, Al Pacino, and he stayed in character as Michael Corleone between filming Godfather 1 and Godfather 2, as he knew a sequel would be filmed? Or... Is it that his financial demands to appear in Godfather 3 were so great the director threatened to sack him and open the film with his character's funeral? <laughs> right, okay. Which would, you know, be absolutely fine in something like The Godfather, wouldn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I know that this has happened before with, with actors and stuff like that where they've disagreed about certain stuff. I mean, I don't know if you know um, the Aladdin film series, which obviously really there's only, in terms of the cartoon version, the, the, the first one's the one that's most well-known and stars... Robin Williams as the genie, but there are yeah. two other spin-offs. The second one has got a different voice for the genie because Robin Williams fell out with the 
producers and the the film executives about how they were using him in merchandise and without his permission and things like that. So he, he wasn't in number two, but then he returned after he made up with him and basically, you know, they agreed a deal or whatever. And then by number three, he was back in in character as the genie. Uh, so th- yeah. these things can happen. Uh, so I'm, yeah. I think I'm going to go with. Uh, and, and then by the time he did the remake, he was dead. So. Yeah. I, well, true. Um, I'm going to go, and Will Smith did a pretty good job, I think, as well. Uh, I'm going to go with the third one, the second one, sorry. The, third? In the third Godfather, they threatened to kill him off. Okay. Uh, and you'll be correct, well done. Yes! Six out, of, six out of six so far, Jimbo. Fantastic. It's amazing what you can uh, get on. So... It's amazing how quick Google is these days. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you just putting this straight into Siri? <laughs> just having this, uh, yeah. my voice go straight through to it. Uh, so, yeah, he apparently asked for $7 million um, and eventually uh, they agreed on $5 million. Uh, the director said, I've made you an offer you can't refuse. Um, <laughs> oh, well, never mind. Uh, I, I get it now. Like, I'm, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not up on my on Godfather film references, but yeah, I get right. you now. Next up, uh, former F1 president Max Mosley uh, stood down at the end of his term as being president of Formula One. Uh, why did he hit the headlines in 2008? Uh, was it he was involved in a high-speed car accident, which led to him breaking both legs and having his driving license revoked? Or is it, it was alleged that he was involved in Nazi-themed orgies? Okay, now... Two very different ones there, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I, I've certainly heard of the second one before, but I'm also a little bit concerned that it might be not Max Mosley, and it could be something to do with the guy who I falsely claimed was somehow involved in Arsenal, and he wasn't ever involved in Arsenal, but he did at one point want to buy Arsenal, and I can't remember what his name is. Um, I don't know. Well, I think it's Bernie Eccleston, who you think That's of. That's it. Is he involved in F1? He's involved. He, yeah, he was kind of the owner of F1. Uh, did, you see, did you see that his daughter's house was burgled recently and someone was putting it in court for it? Uh, they reckon they stole about 25 million quid's worth of stuff from Tamara Eccleston's house. Wow. Um, she, she lives on a road. She lives on basically the most exclusive road in, or one of the most exclusive well, road, she, roads in London. This is why she's getting burgled. If you're telling everybody, well, uh, well, she lives on a, a road called Kensington Kensington Palace Gardens, is it called? Near where Prince William lives. Right. Uh, Roman Abramovich has got a place on there. Lashley Mittal, various other people. And the response was that we had security outside the house, but the house is so big that they couldn't even the security couldn't even cover the entire house <laughs> to, keep to get in, burgle it, and run off. Which I thought was quite a Quite a humble brag in terms of, a waste of money. Um, talking about how big your house is. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So I, 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 I'm a bit worried. And I, again, I don't, I've already probably upset Bernie Eccleston before. Not that he's probably ever listened to this, but uh, by saying he was going to buy Arsenal or he had Arsenal or whatever. Uh, but I think I, I seem to think it, I could have completely got it wrong. But I thought it was him that was that was somehow involved in the the Nazi orgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might not have been, um, and or, or maybe he was as well. Maybe they both were. So yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna go with that only because I've heard it before. But if I, if I've got it wrong, I think I know the mistake I've made. Let's go with the, so the gonna, Nazi. You're gonna say I was involved in Nazi yeah. themed orgies. Uh, you'd be correct. Well done. So should we just make clear that Bernie Eccleston was not involved in any of that, as far as you're aware? Uh, yeah, so he broke up a little bit there, Jimbo. But as far as I'm aware, Bernie Eccleston hasn't been okay. involved in that theme orgies. And I think Max Mosley also took legal action against various newspapers, which I think was involved in the um, unapproved phone hacking yeah. on his mobile phone. And I think also, I, I might be wrong, but I think he sort of said that actually these weren't Nazi themed orgies, they were just normal orgies. You know, there was nothing Nazi about it. I was just 
got four or five women round to do yeah. various weird things to me, but it, nothing, nothing right, nothing stupidly right wing about it. It was Movember at the time. He opted yeah. for the Charlie Chaplin. He <laughs> <laughs> was also wearing <laughs> an, an army type military uniform. Never mind. Yeah, it was holding the mirror up to it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, so I, I think that's what one of the things he said that it wasn't actually. It was just an orgy, but not actually oh. thing. But I think. Um, next up, Tom Jones is also eighty this year. Um, well, it's, uh, what, he's, you know, he's been, he's been around a while. It's not unusual. Hey. Um, so what did he do uh, that signifies A-list credentials? Is it that he bought a Hollywood mansion from Dean Martin and eventually sold it to Nicolas Cage? Or is it that he's a car lover and bought the Aston Martin DB5 done by Sean Connery in Thunderball? In 2001, he sold it to American TV host Jay Leno. Oh, this is going to get me. This is the one I don't think I'm... This is the one I don't, I've not got anything to go with. Um... So he's either bought a house off Dean Martin and then sold it to Nicolas Cage, or he's bought a car, Aston Martin, you said, off Sean Connery yep. and sold it to uh, Jay well, Leno. It, it wasn't off Sean Connery. Uh, Sean Connery doesn't get to keep James Bond's cars after the movies. Oh, it was right. The, it was a car used in the movie. Oh. And has Tom Jones yeah. done... Has he done a bit... Is he, is he, has he done a Bond theme before, Tom Jones? Don't uh, know. I don't think so. I don't mm. think so. Uh, but I think you can you can be a Bond fan without doing the themes. Yeah, just yeah. just wondered if any link there. Uh, hmm. Who did the last one? Was it Sam Sam Smith and Adele have done the last two Bond themes? I think haven't they? Possibly, yeah. But I'm not sure who's meant to be doing the the one there this was rumor, time. Rumours it was uh, Billy. Was it is it Billy Billy Eilish? Eilish. Mm. Yes. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's let's go with and and I'm, I'm the only reason I'm going to go with this is because uh, we've obviously just sadly lost Sean Connery, haven't we? Uh, Yep. Arguably the greatest Bond of all time. Uh, probably somewhere in the top two in Roger Moore, but I'd say I, I quite like Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah, so let's go with that one then. Let's go with Sean. Uh, you're wrong, unfortunately, oh, Jimbo. Oh, no. How many questions were we from the end? Uh, I think we've got another four questions. Mm, okay. I think you've got seven right on the trot. Well done. A good, uh, a good effort. Um, so next up, uh, the a former politician Lord Chancellor Derry Irvin uh, was 80 this year. I think he is the person who helped to introduce Tony Blair to Cherie Blair, or Cherie Booth, which was called back then. Um, what did he, what what did he spend when refurbishing his taxpayer-funded apartment in the late 1990s? Was it about fifty-eight thousand pounds on wallpaper, or around sixty-three thousand pounds on restoring a wooden floor in his dining room? Hmm. So, and so what was his? So he was he was part. What what was he? Was he was he a politician or was he an advisor or a politician? It was, it was Lord Chancellor. Right. So, um, he's not an elected politician, but someone in the House of Lords, I believe. Right. Okay. So, I reckon then he. Oh, again, there's nothing I can go with on this one. But let's let's go with Sherry. He introduced Sherry Blair to Tony Blair. Then, what year would it have been? Did you say again? Uh, Hang on, hang on. No, he did do that. He he definitely did that, irrespective of that. That that, that wasn't one of the options. No, uh, you said you said he either spent lots of money on wallpaper or lots of money on restoring floor. Restoring a floor. Okay. Well, let's go then. Seeing as you've had your carpets done, um, it's fine. Good. I'm so glad you got rid of that horrible brown carpet on the stairs, Fisher. Exactly. And... <laughs> it cost it cost us sixty three thousand pounds putting new carpets down. <laughs> let's let's go with that one then. The carpets, the the floor that we restored the floor. Restored the wooden floor. Yeah. Uh, you'd be wrong, unfortunately, Jimba. It's so gonna be an amazing fall from grace. This one. Yeah, he spent fifty eight thousand pounds on wallpapering. Uh, the wallpaper cost over three hundred pounds a roll. Um, 
to which he said that he actually had the cheek to say that that wallpaper will be around in years in years and years of time. It's going to it's made to last, so it's worth it. Right. Um, obviously, it's a lot of rubbish. I think he bought it from a company called Osborne and Little, didn't he? Hmm. Um, who is a company that George Osborne's family partly own, I believe. If you remember, if you remember, if you remember George Osborne? Remember George Osborne yeah, from years yeah, ago. Yeah. George Osborne and David Cameron. Remember those two? Hey, eh? George Osborne and David Cameron. Whatever happened to him? Um, I think they did, they, they did that uh, Brexit referendum. I'm not sure what happened to that. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember what happened to that. Uh, next up, Ringo Starr is also 80 years old this year. What is true about him? Is it that he's a germaphobe? And for years, he hasn't shaken hands with people. Instead, he, he just bumps elbows with them. Or is it having replaced Pete Best, a drummer in the Beatles, in 1962, his first gig with the Beatles was at the local bingo hall? Hmm. Um... So if he's been doing the uh, non-shaking hands because he's a bit of a he doesn't like shaking hands and so on, um, <laughs> that means that he'll been he'll, he'll be, he's well on board with the old coronavirus stuff. He's been doing that years, hasn't he? Doing the old elbow bumps and so on. Yeah, I mean, we had that we had that well-known song, didn't he? Uh, back in the USSRs. <laughs> um, uh, mm, yeah. So I, I I think I think it might not be the first one because you've made that quite topical, and and I don't think the elbow bump would have been around until. Covid, I don't think. I think people before uh, people would have started with the old fist bump. So if mm. you're saying that that he's gone past the fist bump, or just a general nod of the head, who says we have to touch at all yeah. to the elbow bump, then I'm gonna say yeah. I, I think you've made that one up, and I think it's the second one. And he his first gig was in a bingo hall with the Beatles. Uh, you will be incorrect, unfortunately. Oh, no. uh, not even I'm not, he... not going to get the line now. Never mind the full house. <laughs> he is uh, he is a germaphobe for years. Uh, I think he had pneumonia as a Does child. That... Oh, I, I thought you meant he didn't like Germans. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, yeah, he's, he's, he doesn't like germs. I'm sure, he's all right with Germans, as are most people. Um, yeah, for a long time, apparently. And I, I read an article that was, I think, produced in 2017, and it said even then he was preferred to bump elbows with them, uh, unless it was written by Dominic Cummings and went back and edited later, later <laughs> on. I don't know. Um, his first gig, I think his first gig with the Beatles was at some kind of, um, wasn't it a bingo? I think it might have been at some community centre or some church or something like that, I think. Uh, next up, Pele. It was 80 this year. Um, still enjoys playing a bit of Keepy Uppy, if you can get it up. Hey. Um, <laughs> so, is it, uh, who is Pele named after? Is he named after Christopher Columbus or Thomas Edison? Oh, so, oh, uh, so you're talking one of his middle names. Uh, well, his actual name isn't Pele. I, I th- and I think I somehow seem to think that Edison is uh, when I've ever read about either I don't know whether it was Pele or whether it's been looking at other things to do with Brazilians, um, the the, yeah. the, the, the footballers. Football. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that I think Edison might be like oh I don't know I think you pl- I think you might be playing me yeah? because I think isn't there a Brazilian footballer who's got like Edison or something like that in their name and you're trying to. You you're trying to mix me up with that, aren't you? I think that's what you're trying to do because there is a footballer who who does have. I'm sure they've got Edison somewhere in their name, or it, or even a Premier League footballer now. It, it's escaping me, but anyway. So I'm going to go with the other one. I'm going to say, who did you say? Was it Christopher Columbus? Let's go with Christopher Columbus, and also the Brazilian Spanish kind of links as well. Let's go with that. Yeah, because I mean, there's a Spanish football team called Vasco da Gama as well, who's a well-known um, navigator. Uh, you're wrong, it is Thomas Edison, oh. named after, by the way. 
See, that was my that was my gut instinct to start with, but the more I thought about it, I think I thought you were putting that one in there to confuse me with someone else. Always stay with your gut, Gemma. Um Edson Arantes de Nascimento, I think his full name is how it's pronounced. Uh, known as Pele. Uh, I don't actually know what Pele means, so I'm going to click on it on Wikipedia and see what it says. Uh, it doesn't tell me anything. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it probably means little genius or something like that. Might, might be a good question to have at a future date, maybe. Um, so, next up, Stanley Johnson. Last question. Stanley Johnson. Um, and it's worth pointing out that when I was trying to do some reading about Stanley Johnson, who turned 80 this year, uh, I'm pretty sure that one time I can probably do a quiz just about Stanley Johnson <laughs> and the things that he's done in his life. Uh, what did Stanley Johnson claim to do on his 40th birthday? Although I would caveat it with, he's a Johnson, so he could be lying. Um, did he fall out of a tree because he cut off the branch that he was sat on? Or set his trousers on fire whilst at a family barbecue? Again, both both very uh, family Johnson-like things to do. Yeah. Um, so... Was he was he was he actually cutting the branch off the ugly tree as well when he uh, when he did that when he fell off it yeah. I don't know I don't know what it, what he was doing so I I reckon the I mean I, it's very cartoon like the first one <laughs> yeah yeah uh, although again is they they are a very cartoon like family at the same time yeah I mean that the the that character Boris who's in the family he's, he's a brilliant character isn't yeah he? fantastic cartoon character hmm and. I think cause it was on I'm like to get me out of here, Stanley, wasn't it, a couple of years ago? Yeah. And he does look very much like Boris. Very much, And he's yeah. very similar. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'd love it to be the first one, but I think it's going to be the second one, and he set his trousers on fire at a barbecue. Okay. And unfortunately, you'll be wrong. <laughs> he fell out of the tree. <laughs> uh, uh, a quiz of two halves there, I think, Jimbo. The first seven right so and the last that, five that wrong. Sounds, but... That sounds like a, a good analogy for Brexit as well. Yeah, Cut, um, cutting the branch that you're on while you're on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it is a, he's a former uh, member of European Parliament. I think isn't he? Right. Um, oh, right. or, uh, Stanley. Yeah. Why did they not see this coming? You know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're back in the man who sat on a branch and chopped it off, um, <laughs> and that therefore fell off the branch on his fortieth birthday as well. <laughs> so what, what a magnificent achievement! Uh, so that's all for that quiz. I hope you enjoyed it anyway, Jim. Back. I do. So that's for people who, were, who turned 80 this year. It, it, it was uh, very, very enjoyable. Thank you very much. Uh, and now, of course, uh, we need to have a word from our advertisers. Here we go. Hello, I'm Daryl, your local delivery driver, taking on the big boys, DPD, Hermes and the post office. Are you sick of your parcels being delayed, undelivered or damaged? Then give me a call. I can redirect all your orders to be delivered via me at Daryl Does Deliveries. Once your package is in my hands, I will do my utmost to handle it sensitively. I will personally ring when I arrive at your door, or if you're not in, don't worry, let me know where your key is, and I'll go in and make myself a brew and have some bickies. Or if you prefer, I will gently slide the large or small package into your back passage. Aye, have you heard, I even do takeaway pickups. On arrival at your door, I will do a special quality test to make sure your takeaway is hot and fresh. I call it lick and collect. Get in touch today. We 
like to support the uh, local boys, don't we, here on the Waste of Web Space podcast, so please do get in touch with uh, Daryl Does Deliveries if you need any uh, deliveries doing or picking up or anything like that. By, by that, do you mean we support local businesses, not we support the local boys? <laughs> who, sorry, who was doing the voiceover on that advertisement? Because that wasn't you, was it? It was Daryl. Daryl. Because well, you can't you can't do voices other than just your own. <laughs> so it must have been, that wasn't your voice. That must have been someone else doing it. Have a guess. Was it your brother? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know which one? Uh, oh, I'd say, was it Jack? It was Jack, yeah. Yeah. I just said, Jack. speak normally, Jack. It'll be perfect. And it was, and I'm really happy with that, actually. Yeah, you did a good job, fantastic. didn't you? Uh, yeah, done well. Anyway, uh, maybe a new career for him in voiceover artistry. I thought it was yeah. pretty good. Anyway, uh, felt what you warm to him, didn't you? I mean, you wouldn't want him licking your takeaways, but still. <laughs> okay. He seems very professional. He's trying his best to earn an honest crust in these days. Did he? I'd eat an honest crust if he's delivering <laughs> stuffed crust pizza. Anyway, uh, time for the news. And before we, before we go on to the actual news, I thought we should do a headline of the week because we kind of missed that. Uh, so headline of the week then was in various newspapers, actually. And it was, Great tits face extinction due to climate change. And um, I don't know if this is the reason that uh, Joe Biden's made it priority to uh, make sure he, he, he readdresses the climate change agree- agree- ad- um, agreements and so on, possibly. Could, we- could well be. Um, so we don't like to talk about Trump too much, but uh, he, did, he tweeted something yesterday, if you saw it. Yeah, go on. What did he tweet? Uh, well, just, I'll just go and find it. Um, but it really was, I mean, Owen's got a bit of advice in terms of reading Donald Trump's Twitter feed. Which is that try and read it um, in the voice of Vicky Pollard from <laughs> Little Britain. It does sound very much like it. I mean, actually, to be fair, trying to find a tweet just from yesterday is quite difficult because he's, he's quite simply tweeting so much. I mean, actually, now I'm scrolling through uh, it. And most, most of the find. things that are on there now have got some sort of like Twitter warning on them, haven't they, before you actually click on them? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of them have. Um, it is quite excessive. Did I, did I screenshot it? I might have screenshotted it. I'm still trying to scroll down. While you're looking for it, we can talk about Donald Trump because he um, he, he caused a bit of a stir, didn't he? Because he turned up at a, a new a press conference. I think it was his first one outside of all this kind of election stuff where he's kind of appeared in public and everything. But people had noticed um, that he's got greyer hair than normal, almost like he's I been think- that busy on Twitter or moaning or going to courts and speaking with his lawyers that he's not had a chance to, con- to to dye his hair back to the sort of yellowish white that he's got going on. Um, so, I mean, you know, the impo- I mean, I, you know, I know you for sure go and uh, do your hair target for men just before you come on the podcast because mm-hmm. you, you don't want people noticing yours, either, do you, Fisher? Um, this, is, this is all my own colour. <laughs> with, with, admittedly, a few flecks of grey starting to creep in, but not too many. Yeah. So yours, blends in, with, yours like... blends in with the headphones, so it looks like you've got uh, kind of big poofy hair around your headphones sometimes. Good point, actually. I've not, not noticed that. Um, <laughs> You're going to come on with different colour headphones next week. Yeah, the same as the uh, the red things from a microphone. Um, I, I found Donald Trump's tweet. Go on. Uh, for years, the Dems have been preaching how unsafe and rigged our elections have been. Now they are saying what a one administration did make in 2020 the most secure election ever. Actually, this is true. Except for what the Democrats did. Rigged election. <laughs> now, I, can't, I can't quite understand exactly you, what you're trying do, to say. Are you, you going to do rigged. the Vicky Pollard voice? For years, the Dems have been preaching how unsafe the rigged elections have been. Now they're saying what a wonderful job the Trump administration has done. 2020 is the most secure election ever. Actually, this is true. Except for what the Democrats did. Rigged election. <laughs> probably, sorry, probably not the best Vicky Pollard impression. I there, think you sounded more like Ian Holloway. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do the Bristol accent. Um, but yeah, I, I do find it uh, quite strange because it was 
there have been some people who've been claiming that um, I, I think some cybersecurity experts said it was a very, very rigorous and safe process, but I just don't believe them because I've seen uh, Trump's lawyer, Rudolph Giuliani, shouting in a car park saying the election was rigged, so I really believe what he said. Right, okay. <laughs> saw, did, you, did you see his... I don't know, did we mention the press conference at the Four Seasons Total Landscape in, like, in we, the last podcast? We briefly mentioned it because it turned out to be down the road from an adult uh, an adult bookstore yeah. as well, didn't it, with viewing booths? Yeah, I mean, it kind of... Does, it does seem quite apt, doesn't it, that he thought he booked probably the best hotel in downtown Philadelphia, uh, and he hadn't. He'd just booked the car park of a landscape <laughs> business, who have now started selling rakes with a tagline, Make America Rake Again, <laughs> um, which I think is quite good and shows their entrepreneurial spirit. Very good, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they went ahead with it um, and did a press conference. And I think it was actually during that that most networks announced the winner of Joe Biden. Uh, at that particular point, yeah, his campaign was shouting at people in a car park of a landscaping business and Donald Trump was playing golf. So, you know, <laughs> well, it's a strange world, isn't it? Shall we go from one uh, shouty, angry politician thing to another um, shouty, angry pol- political situation where uh, it's the ongoing fighting in Downing Street? So w- while we've got yeah. all this sort of, we're all in lockdown, we're all trying our best to abide by these rules um, and, you know, and, and, and do everything properly and we're all kind of having to put up with this and that and, you know, doing as we're told. You've got the the Prime Minister and his advisers uh, in Downing Street fighting uh, amongst each other and uh, making themselves look a little bit unprofessional, a little bit, uh, well, not on the ball again, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, a bit of a letdown, really, isn't it? But the good side of things is that um, we've got rid of some potential advisers who maybe were not not doing the job as they should have been doing or, were, you know, and, and also... If you go back to Cummins and what he did in the summer and got away with in the summer uh, while giving us all this advice and being part of the team that advises what to do and how to carry ourselves and so on, uh, he's gone as well, hasn't he now? Yeah, uh, so I think first up, Lee Kane uh, yeah. left his position. It turned out he wasn't very able. Um, <laughs> sorry, not the strongest joke I've ever told that. Now, is Lee Kane the one who went round with the Leave campaign at one stage or followed somebody round, was it? Who was it? Dressed as a chicken, anyway. Oh, don't know. Could he, have been. He actually dressed as a mascot chicken because he's, he's he's basically he's one of the communications managers, isn't he? So yeah. as part of a campaign they were doing, I think I don't know if it was Boris or another politician was walking around canvassing, and this fellow was dressed as a chicken, which makes mm. you think like if he was if he was kind of responsible for all that. I mean, fair play to him for taking you know if he if you want somebody there dressed as a chicken, uh, he's done it himself. It's not yeah. an easy job. Yeah. Tell you that. Yeah. He's not, not afraid to get his hands dirty, clearly. Yeah. So, well done to him. Uh, but he's left. Dominic Cummins has also allegedly left, although he's not. there's no, there's no actual resignation letter there or anything like that, from what I can see. Um, all you can really see is a picture of him carrying a cardboard box out of the door at Downing Street. Yep. Um, which is quite interesting. I hope as taxpayers we get that box back, because I presume it's ours, unless he's brought his own with him. Look, we can, let's just admit as well, I, d- I don't know whether Boris Johnson's been seen for a, for a few days. We've certainly not had a press conference since since all of this. Now, Boris Johnson's head could have well been in that box. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You never know. You know, Cummins could have been carrying Boris Johnson's severed head in a in a cardboard box. Yeah, um, and, and there's a perfect logical explanation. Uh, Stanley Johnson was doing a bit of DIY and accidentally severed yeah. it off. I think <laughs> is, is what could have happened. Uh, no, but Dominic Cummins was walking out with a cardboard box. I mean. We don't. But we assume it's got quite a lot of his possessions and stuff in there. Although, to be fair, he might know what the future Tory party policies are, 
and it might be the case it might need to live in that cardboard box in the near future. So Potentially, we don't yeah. know, do we? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, but you know, it, it, there could have been anything in there. There could have been you know different different sort of prescriptions of glasses and box of contact yeah. lenses to make sure that he was uh, going to be safe to drive wherever he was going to next and so on. Yeah. Uh, A jerry can filled with petrol because. He can get to to, Barn, to uh, Durham and back from yeah. London on one tank of petrol in a Range Rover. Mm-hmm. Well done. Exactly. Um, so there we go. So what else has been going on? Should we talk about um, should we talk about Lee Max yeah. TV show? Uh, he, he presented a TV show called Britain's Best Woodworker. Oh, sorry, no, it wasn't called Britain's Best Woodworker. It tried to find Britain's Best Wood. Um, and he went around the country and got various people competing, doing bits of joinery and carpentry and all this sort of stuff. Uh, however, there was a slight problem on the first episode, which is that it appeared that one of the contestants got Nazi tattoos on his face. Right. Um, so he got a lot of numbers on his face. Uh, one of the numbers he got was number 88, which is quite a popular number for Nazis, apparently. Uh, this this is what Max Moser was telling me a couple of weeks ago, anyway. Um, <laughs> and the number 88... What, that, or, that orgy that you went to? Yeah. Uh, so, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, lockdown, aren't we? Um, so uh, the number 88 is quite popular with Nazis because if you convert the numbers to letters, so A is 1, B is 2, A, A is H, H, yeah. which is often abbreviated for Heil Hitler, mm-hmm. apparently. Um, and the contestant said, no, that's not true. I've got number 88 there because my father died in 1988. Uh, however, unfortunately, that was disproved uh, by this gentleman's father, who is still alive and said, <laughs> no, I'm still here. What are you talking about? Um, and th- there are so many things that are quite amusing about this. Firstly, the fact that the probably on Sky History um, so you'd have thought maybe Sky History might have done a little bit more research to not put yeah. someone with Nazi tattoos on the face on the television. Or at least when it was brought to their attention, instead of just coming out with something saying, we've done some background checks, everything's okay. Not, you know, it, it must have referred to something else. That's what they said, unfortunately. Case. Uh, but do you, do you know what's the most amusing thing about this is um, this program's been cancelled. Do you know what it was actually called? What the program was called? Go on. It was called... The chop, <laughs> and it's now been cancelled. So, so, so is the issue with it that it wasn't episode by episode? So this 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 fellow would have been in it all the way through. Uh, well, no, I, th- I think with these things, it's probably pre-recorded from during the summer, and they're only putting it on now. So I think they showed the first episode. But he was going to be in all. He was going to be in more than one episode. I'm presuming. Uh, well, yeah, I'm assuming he didn't get voted off after the first And it's week. not like, you know, um, it's understandable, half understandable, if, if these kind of things are hidden. But because he had a tattoo on his face, it, you know, yeah. th- there wasn't really much research to do there, was it? It was, it was kind of, it was right there for them to, yeah. you know what I mean? All you have to do is be able to look at his face and read. Yeah. Um, and apparently, and might have noticed. apparently had a really small moustache, didn't it? So, didn't yeah. it? so <laughs> you know, it, it was right under the nose, really. Hey. So anyway, uh, do you want to finish with news then that non-alcohol? Oh no, well we're going to talk about I'm a celebrity, but let's just we'll talk about that next week when it's actually started, shall we? Um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, non-alcoholic Guinness being recalled after only two weeks. So Guinness have made a beer called Guinness Zero Zero, um, which is non-alcoholic. Um, so that's that's a bit disappointing. People who are looking forward to that, the Irish are up in arms about it. Um, not because of the failure of the Guinness, but because they can't believe somebody's made Guinness with no alcohol in it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. What, why, was it, why was it recalled? Um, I, I, I think it was because there was uh, no alcohol, uh, because there, it was some sort of contamination with it, apparently. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I, I heard it tasted horrible. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's because it got no alcohol in it or just because it was Guinness. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. Well. Have you ever, ever, you ever drunk Guinness? 
Uh, only, only, only years ago on sort of St. Paddy's Day, stuff like that. But I'm a bit jealous, my friends. My friends love it, and they, they would happily have quite a few pints if we go out, but it's something I, I just don't like. Yeah. I've drunk it in the UK and in Ireland, and people often say that it tastes different in, in Ireland. But without being funny about it, I, I can't taste any difference whatsoever between <laughs> that and, uh, and as it is over here. But there we go. Oh, anyway. I bloody love this podcast. Guaranteed lols, says Ray from London. This podcast is so funny. From Pekka39 in Twickenham. Today's episode had me crying with laughter. Amazing podcast. From Lynn Krull in Southampton. These are the reviews of a completely different podcast. But you can leave us one, the Waste of Web Space podcast, just like that, by going to any of the podcasting services and telling us what you think and giving us a five-star rating and sending us things and whatever else. Please leave us a review on our Twitter account, Instagram, Facebook, video, YouTube, wherever you listen, or on any of the podcasting services, you know, and that'd be nice. Thanks. Okay then, Fisher. Um, so I've got a quiz prepared for you. So if you remember last week, I did a bit of a quiz about events cancelled due to COVID and some really weird events here in the UK. And then I thought, well, I'm going to do an international one. But then I kind of got sidetracked and I realised that actually there's just a lot of kind of historic, interesting Yorkshire events that um, either have been cancelled by COVID or managed to just take place before last lockdown or still remain to be seen whether they'll be cancelled or not. Or not. So I've kind of focused this on Yorkshire weird events, okay? Um, okay. So I think there was maybe one one event or two events that took place in Yorkshire from last week, but I'm not going to mention them in, in obviously this episode. So I've got 12 more for you because we had 12 last week. Some of them are real, some of them will be fake. You've just got to identify which ones are real and which ones are fake. And these are all in Yorkshire, okay? So here we go. First one then. Uh, Murfield, West Yorkshire, Puppet Convention. So a yearly event held in June where puppeteers and collectors from across the country and the world would attend to meet up, network and buy and sell their own crafted and antique puppets. Ooh, okay. Uh, Murfield. Is that, is that North Yorkshire? There's a big private school in Murfield. There is, yeah. Can yeah. I? Can I just... While you're mulling this over amongst yourself and the listeners, yep. can I run and go and get a prop that I need? Okay, no problem. You need to turn the light off. Or I'll be on, right go back. On, go and get it. So, obviously, Murfield... Right, okay, so if you're watching this, I've got a real big secret to reveal about Jimbo. I mean, that prop that he's getting, it's not actually a prop, okay? It's something completely different. He claims it's a prop, but you ought to see what he does with it when the camera's not rolling. So, Murfield, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of puppets there would be, whether it be the kind of things on the strings or how it would work. Um, so, I'm going to say that... But I think Murfield is a real place, is, is a genuine place. Big public school there. And there's got to be a puppet convention somewhere. So, I'm going to say that that is true. Jim, up. Yeah, it's quite different. Got the soundboard or anything like that, so I'm just going to try and find the sound that plays that says uh, that says yes. Oh, he's back. Sorry about that, Fisher. No, sorry. I was just telling I was just telling the viewers and listeners uh, what you do with that prop when we're off camera. <laughs> uh, I said it was true, by the way, Jimbo. You say it's true that there is a puppet convention in Murfield. Yeah. 
maybe you'll start you'll you'll start opposite to me and have a run of like a lot of wrong answers and then get them all right towards the end. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm out of breath. Well, we'll see. No, yeah, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not real. This one for sure. But what I did want to say is that I have been practicing um, vent vent. Ventriloquism. Ventriloquism. Ventriloquism yeah. during the pandemic as something to do and something to kind of learn a little bit. So I've got some puppets of my own, if you want to see them. Yeah. Um, so here's one of them. Yeah? Yeah. Policeman puppet. So do you want to see how good I've got? Go on, then. Obviously, I've been, practic- I've been practicing it during the pandemic, so bear with me a second. Oh. <laughs> right. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, go on, then. Hello, hello, hello. Did you see my lips move? I didn't see your lips move now. Alright, and next one. Ready? Go on. Snap, 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 snap. Actually, I could see I could see your jaw moving there, actually, to be fair. Oh, I well. See, I can see how your mask moves, so I think you need to, even though you're covered up, you still need to work on your technique a little bit. We can't be uh, we can't be perfect, can we? Anyway, you get the idea. Is that from Shrek? Yeah, I get the idea. <laughs> Hold on. I think it, it would be a good when you think up a joke and don't prepare for it. Maybe, maybe on the next episode we could try and work to be to, to try some ventriloquism and see how we get to. <laughs> half sure half of the problem is that half of the problem is every time I want to say ventriloquism, I ha- I can't. It's one of those words I can't do. So I have to think a lot about it before I say it. So being very unprepared is not helpful. Anyway. Well, the key thing is you just need to try and speak without moving your, your teeth in there. How you <laughs> need to try and speak like that? Well, I, th- I think people thought we were good at it anyway, due to the the sort of time lag we sometimes have on our episodes. So, yeah. um, anyway. Are you ready for the next one? So, long sword dancing. This is a common event by groups across Yorkshire County. There's six types of dancers, each with their own tune, and they're accompanied by musicians. Apparently, the tradition dates back to 200 years in Gofal in North Yorkshire and was a ritual to bring a fruitful harvest. Uh, the sword dancing event usually takes place in winter just before or, and some just after Christmas, so it depends as to whether this is going to happen this year or not because of obviously we don't know... What's going to happen going forward with lockdown and everything? Uh, well, what do you know about sword dancing, eh? Oh, I'm not too sure. Um... <laughs> sorry, that was... Uh, sorry, I, I've got someone here who's assisting me. Uh, yeah, a small teddy bear. Um, so, I... Sword, sword dancing is quite popular in Yorkshire, isn't it? I mean, it's similar to Morris dancing. Except you've got, like, swords and you do all that sort of stuff. And it's... Cause, Morris dancing is quite popular in parts of Yorkshire. So, I'm going to say... I'm going to say true that and is a, a thing an event that's sort of been like cancelled you would be correct and actually boris johnson's dad stanley johnson what now i'm only joking um yeah it's it's real and there's actually a group who uh, perform this in greniside as well so as close as greniside which is not too far away from chapel town the sort of north sheffield area isn't it so i did try and join a sword dancing group though a few years ago for sure um, I, I inquired about it, but actually it was very, very expensive. Uh, I think they should cut their prices. But uh, hey. anyway, never mind. That was terrible. So, Scarborough Skipping Day. Uh, this The name comes from traditional long rope skipping, and it takes place on the Foreshore Road each year. Tradition goes back to 1903, and there are various theories as to how it started. Um, but anyway, they do this every year, apparently. So there you go. Skipping Festival. So, I don't know, I think it might have been cancelled. I think it might have skipped it this year. Oh, well done. Oh, sorry. So, have you got that prepared? Well, one of us needed to do it, didn't we? So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, no, I think they've got rid of it. I think they've just chucked it in the skip. Um, I think they... Wouldn't it be Scarborough? I don't, I don't know why you'd hold it particularly at a seaside place. I think it'd be more appropriate things for a seaside. You thought a skipping competition might take part in Skipton, maybe? Or Skipsy? 
other fighters in Yorkshire where they were skipping that. Um, I think that that is... Oh, I want to say false. Yeah, I'm going to say false. I'm going to stick to my guns. Wrong. It's real. And apparently it comes from the... Uh, well, they they reckon it started because the fishermen would once a year get new nets because theirs got old. So then they pass the old nets on to... Uh, the sort of children on the sort of shore or whatever on the on the sort of seafront, and then they turn them into skipping ropes and so on. So that's kind of yeah. how it happened. Um, so there you go. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to do a joke because you've done it already. Next, yeah. it's fine. You're going to get there with some of these first, but that's fine. We could we could have a com- who's going to get in there first anyway. So yeah. next, the open top bus concert in Withersney. I think I said that right. Withersney, Withersney, see. Withersney. Is it is it place near Hull? Yes. Every August, they host an open uh, a concert in an, on the seafront in an open-top bus, which acts as the main stage. Local performers, unsigned bands, comedians and magicians and ventriloquists... And ventriloquists... Can't do it. Really? Perform. Really? Did you know... And, uh, really? Yeah, and did you know I, I've been practising this during... <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, no, but the event, um, yeah, and, and and even the Everly Pregnant Brothers from Sheffield, if you know them, they plan the ukuleles, don't they? They performed there in 2013. Um, the event was about to be cancelled this year uh, when they were struggling to get an open-top bus, but then two turned one along at once, so up at once. Hey. So there you go. Hey. Very good. Um, oh, just an open-top bus. I mean, wouldn't it make you feel like you've won something if you're on an open-top bus tour? Yeah, sort of when football teams and win various things, they have the parades and all that sort of stuff, and all you've got is an unsigned comedian or band performing on an open-top bus. Why would they particularly have it in Withensees? I don't think it's that big an area, Withensee. Um But at the same time, people have got to do these things. I think... I don't... Um, no, nah, I'm going to say that's false. Well done. Yep, made that one up. Next then, the Great Nesborough Bed Race. The quirky, eccentric tradition bit, bit, um, takes place every June, involves 90 teams racing with homemade beds around the streets of the town before swimming across the River Nid to finish to the finish line. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the first time the event this year has ever been cancelled since it was first run in 1966. Instead, they encourage people to decorate their beds and send in pictures and have a bit of like an online competition. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Uh, I can't particularly... No, a huge amount about this competition, although I can actually reveal that I was once asked whether I'd like to appear in the bed racing competition, and I said, I'll sleep on it. Hey! Well done. Um, 96 to go for since 1966. It's amazing how some of these things just keep going. I mean, I don't know, because a lot of these things probably, it must be very diff- easy to, to not do it anymore and stop it. Um... Bed racing competition. And they have to swim across the river Nid. No, I don't. I don't think that's. I've. I've never heard of that. Um, Nairsborough. I don't. I don't think it's a particularly hilly place or not. But I'm. I'm going to say that's false. No, it's real, and it is right that it was cancelled for the first time this year since 1966. They've had to cancel the river crossing on a couple of occasions because yeah. of uh, flooding and things like that. Um, and when it's just too too dangerous to, to do it when it's been raining a lot or whatever but generally uh, no it's, it's always gone on since 1966 it's interesting actually because a few years ago a team of Jamaicans um, won the race um, there was a lot of contra- controversy around it because um, they apparently won the race in a transit van um, and when they l- kind of looked into it to find out what happened, um, they'd called the organisers before the event and they said, you know, are we all right to, to you know, 
to, to bring Divan. And uh, the organisers said, yeah, it was absolutely fine, you know, because they were expecting a Divan bed, not a, not an actual van. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so there you go. Next, the Yorkshire Pudding Boat Race in Brobey, North Yorkshire. The York, uh, have we got any more details as to what the Yorkshire Pudding Boat Race uh, Are you, are you go- making suggestions you I drop was- a Yorkshire Pudding in a river and it races along like a rubber duck rags? You're exactly right. Um, but no, probably a bit more to that actually, and a bit more surprising. As the title suggests, there these are giant Yorkshire pudding boats made from flour, water, and eggs. Um, and apparently, uh, the Yorkshire boats, Yorkshire pudding boats, used to be made uh, according to folklore um, to help people in, in rescue rescue people when they were flooding and things like that. Or when times and they were severe. I don't. I know. I know. It sounds a bit odd, um, but basically, yeah. They they coat the they make these boats every year out of Yorkshire pudding batter and everything like that, and then they coat them in varnish to prevent them from going soggy. <laughs> you coat a Yorkshire pudding in varnish. Apparently, so you're not going to eat it. You're getting in a you're getting in a river with it. I mean, how big are these boats? Some, someone can actually get in yeah, the boat. Yeah, somebody can get in them. No, I can't. I I, I no. I don't believe that. I don't believe you can make a Yorkshire pudding big enough. They're all they're all floppy on the bottom, aren't they, Yorkshire puddings? Depends how well they're baked. It's not like a, it's not like the same thing as a pancake, don't it, Yorkshire pudding? It's just you can kind of just no, nah, it's not strong enough. It's not resilient enough. No, I think it's false. It's probably going to have been true, but I think it's it should be false. It's true. The uh, it takes place in Broby, North Yorkshire, and apparently it was an idea that was dreamed to life by Simon Thackeray, by who's Jimbo a, Wilmser, <laughs> just <laughs> no, on this podcast, a sculptor, painter, and arts inventor. Um, apparently, he got this idea as he was at his local pub one sunny day uh, back in the early nineties, looking out the window, and, and he thought this up. Um, but do you know what happens during the race if they get a hole in the Yorkshire pudding and it starts to sink? Um, they have to jump out. No, nope, they stick a uh, so, sorry, go on. They stick a sausage in it. Hey. Turn in the hole. There we go. No, but it's real. Have yeah. a look. You have to have a look after the uh, after this episode's done. If you don't believe me, yeah. there you go. I thought you were going to say someone comes and rescues them in the gravy boat. Or something <laughs> like that. Well, that'd have been just as good. Anyway, uh, next then sock pairing championships in Otley. Every two to three years, they have a sock pairing competition in Otley, West Yorkshire, in association with Martin Mills Weaving Mill. Competitions, uh, comp- sorry, competitors get together in teams of two. Uh, to compete to see who can be the quickest to pair 200 pairs of socks. The record is all socks paired up in 1 minute and 22 seconds. There are other events that involve different coloured socks, which makes it more challenging, and also sock design competitions as well. Hmm, okay. Now, I've been to Otley. Um, the la- last time I went to Otley, it was flooded. Um, I don't know if I ever really spoke about this on the podcast, but it was at Christmas time, I think 2015, probably. Um and went to some and a lot of flooding in North Yorkshire and Lancashire and part, parts of Yorkshire on Christmas Day, Boxing Day. And we drove back, and the way we normally drove was flooded, so we ended up driving. We tried to go through Otley, and it turned out all of Otley was completely and utterly flooded. Never never known anything like it. So, and it is a it, the River Wharf runs through there, I think. Um, and I think it is an old mill town around that area. But then, why would they do this every two to three years, is what I don't get. It's not much of an annual event, is it? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, it's not the Olympics, is it? Don't get kind of unless it gets. I think it's just the organisation. I think it's just the organisation of it, and how many people actually attend. It's probably not worth doing every year. Well, sure, you get the same people attending every year, even if it's even if it's attend every two, three years. So no, I, I, I like the idea of it. I think it's a good competition. That pair, pair, pair pairs of socks. That is a great idea for one of our future episodes. Yeah. You know, instead of like, yeah, people have Rubik's cube competitions. We could just agree mm. to bring like ten pairs of socks on each and see how quickly we can do it. 
both have a basket each and then see how quick we can do it. I'm completely mixed up. Um, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm going to... I I don't think that that's right. I'm going to say that's false. Well done, yeah. Completely made that one up. Um, I used to have a few pair, uh, jokes sorry, about matching pairs of socks, actually, but I've lost one, so can't do hey. that. Uh, anyway, next then. The Nude and Phallic Art Annual Exhibition in Kettlewell, North Yorkshire. This annual exhibition in Kettlewell is where people bring along their collections or portfolios of painting, sculptures and other forms of art that feature nude or phallic themes. Collectors attend from all over the world and can purchase, swap, trade or auction their work or collections. There have been protests from some local groups over the years, but the organisers have resisted pressure and continue with the event, uh, although it was cancelled in September this year due to COVID-19. Uh, okay, well it sounds like quite an interesting, uh, interesting event in Kettlewell. Uh, I don't know. I mean, have you got any samples of their work at all? Um, no. Um, I... I mean, they did, like I said, they nearly, they nearly caved into pressure to um, cancel the nude and phallic arts annual exhibition a few years ago because of sort of protests from local groups. Um, but the organisers stiffened up and, uh, yeah, they, they decided <laughs> to, to, to keep it going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So by the sounds of it, the competition just got bigger and bigger every year. Um, <laughs> I think that. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that thing does exist. No, I'm sure it does exist, but not in Kettlewell. Uh, not in Kettlewell in North Yorkshire. Um, yeah, I was pulling your leg with that one, Fisher. Your third leg. Really? Um, <laughs> anyway, next then the Ripon Hornblowers. Every night of the year, without fail, a horn is blown at the four corners of the obelisk in Ripon Marketplace to set the watch, and then outside the house of the mayor. This ceremony commemorates the first t- the time in the Middle Ages when Ripon's first citizen, the Wakeman, was responsible for crime prevention uh, from 9pm until dawn and t- had to compensate victims of burglary. The Wakeman had uh, constables to patrol the streets and also had the right to levy a rate on houses according to the number of doors, outside doors that he had. Uh, due to COVID-19, this year the city's homeblowers have been having to carry out this ritual uh, from their own gardens rather than the four corners of uh, the market square or whatever it is wherever they do it to ensure that they still are able to carry out this this uh, ritual so, so you say this happens every day every day nine o'clock i, 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 I don't know a huge amount about ripon uh it's got a, has it got a cathedral ripon i think Not sure probably one of the smallest places of the cathedral in the country um i think ripon cathedral's in ripon um if not i'd be a bit surprised um it is it's quite an old place so that could be it could be doing that could be having horn blowers out, but I, I would have thought if yeah, people blow it, if there were four people going out and blowing a horn at nine o'clock every night, it's the kind of thing you would have heard about. So it's not necessarily a stupidly small place, but then it's there's a, there's a ring of truth to it. So particularly the way, particularly the fact it's at an obelisk and all that sort of stuff, I'm going to say that's true. Well done, yeah, it's true. All these little things about Yorkshire that you didn't know for sure. Uh, I was going to make an inappropriate joke actually about asking if these horn blowers have ever had uh, any other horn blowing work in the industry or if they've ever had any other blow jobs, but I'm not going to make that joke. <laughs> Number 10, uh, planting penny hedge. The ceremony carried out each May dates back to 1159 when the Abbot of Whit- Whitbay imposed a punishment or penance, which is like a punishment that kind of lasts forever basically uh, on three hunters and on their descendants for all time for murdering a hermit which is someone who's religious and would live alone devote their life to religion and things like that Uh, they murdered them on the outskirts of the town at Eskdale 
Legend has it that the hedge made out of woven willow stakes must withstand three tides or there'll be bad luck and terrible things will happen. And the reference to penny is because uh, of the penny knife, uh, of a penny price they must, uh, that must be used as some sort of knife or something like that. Um, a home blower. <laughs> not from Ripon, or maybe from Ripon, who knows, and the bailiff of the manor of um, Flyingthorpe then declared the building of the hedges or hodges or something complete. Okay. Um, sorry, can you just repeat that, please, Jimba? No, um, I'm not. <laughs> uh, it just says at Whitby, yeah. which has got quite a lot of, they've got quite a lot of sort of gothic themes there. Cause they have a goth weekend at Whitby and sort of, obviously there's a lot of themes about sort of Dracula and all that sort of stuff and the, the abbey there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is true. Well done. There's an incredible amount of detail in there as well that probably gave that away. But anyway, that's true. Um, people learn something new about Yorkshire at the same time. Next, the Biscuit Dunking Annual Competition in Batley. This event takes place in Batley, the home of Fox's Biscuits, every February, and it remains to be seen whether this year's event will be cancelled or not. Uh, there are different comp- uh, competitions, including biscuit eating and dunking challenges, and the main event, which features biscuit bakers from around the UK, bringing their special biscuits, sized specifically around the size of a dustbin lid, uh, that they dunk into a giant vat of bubbling hot tea to see how long the biscuit can withstand the dunk before breaking. Apart, the record is currently five minutes and forty-two seconds, and they've had a new record breaker each year as well that they've been doing this. Well, okay. was it actually was it an actual biscuit the size of a dustbin lid that they dunked in it, or was it just a dustbin lid that they dunked in? <laughs> no, it, it was a, for five minutes. It was a biscuit the size uh, of a dustbin lid. It's got to be those well, sizes specifically, otherwise it, it'd be unfair. So the the certain hmm. the certain rules that they've got about what type of ingredients they can and can't put in as well, and how much of certain types of ingredients they can obviously put the emphasis on the baking quality rather than all about how much of what because you could put like you could make a biscuit out of cement in that case couldn't you you know what i mean so. yeah you know i don't know whether or not Fox's biscuits are based in batley uh, which might be a key to this question it is i don't uh, know if all of is. the factories are anymore but a lot of their yeah. certainly their offices and things like yeah i mean i, I don't know i, I, I know uh, mcvitt is i think based in stockport so i've driven past it before but if, if you say it's based in batley then fair enough um i think nonetheless Biscuit Duncan, nah, nah, I'm not that keen on it. I think, I think, no, nah, I think that's false. Well done. Yeah, I am taking the biscuit with that one. Sorry, that was a bit of a yeah. crummy, bit of a big crummy joke there. Scraping the biscuit barrel a bit with that one. Um, but anyway, next, the World Water Bombing Championships in Sheffield Ponds Forge. Okay, the annual Water Bombing Championships at Pond Forge International Sports Centre in Sheffield was originally dreamt up as a way of raising money for the Macmillan Cancer Trust and became a prime date in the British sporting calendar. Started off as teams from just South Yorkshire, but it grew to teams from further afield. Each team is tasked with raising a minimum of £300 for the charity and prizes are awarded for the best water bombing team, best team member and, and the most stylish entry as well. All teams must wear fancy dress and then bomb into the pool with points being awarded for the stylishness of the bomb and the size of the splash. Um, they've had teams wearing man- mankinis, uh, teams dressed as the cast of Wizard of Oz, the cast of Grease, Umpa Lumpers, and more. And people can also pay to go along and watch it as well. Okay. Uh, well, I, I know that we do do the water bombing championships in Ponds Forge, and it's the Peter Kay style running bomb, isn't it, from the John Smith advert? It is, yep. Now, I don't know if that's kind of what started it, uh, but I, I know it is a thing because it. Jimbo, do you know where I learn all my stuff from nowadays? Wikipedia. Zoom quizzes. Oh, there you go. You see, you've had Zoom that in a quizzes. you've had that in a quiz, have you? We had that in a Zoom quiz a couple of weeks ago. Was it your? Hosted. Did you? Oh, your brother hosted it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, and it was one of the questions about what unusual world championship 
uh, the Sheffield Hole every year or something along those lines as a specific Sheffield round. And yeah, it came out World Water Bombing Championships. And we, yeah, we weren't sure whether it was water bombing us in, inflating balloons and, with water and throwing at each other or running into the into the water. Um, so I know, I know it's true. Um, whether it's been cancelled or not now, but yeah, I guess Yep, um, it's a bit of a funny one, this one, because I, I can't really find much more about it other than that it looks like the last time it took place, according to their Facebook page, which hasn't really been updated for a while, was 2017. So I think it's just sort of gradually come to a natural end. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it's just, as of 2017, doesn't seem to have been going. But it had been running since 2004. But, I mean... I, I didn't know about that until doing this research, and I think it's one of those things that would have been quite fun to watch or even take part yeah. in, actually. So, there you go. Well, um, yeah. Sounds like it's going to free fall, really, doesn't it? Hey, here we go. Yeah, the event made quite a splash. Hey. But anyway, uh, so hopefully you've learned a bit more about Yorkshire events, um, particularly the one about the Yorkshire pudding boats, which I'm still thinking Fisher's not actually convinced is a real thing, but have a look. And yeah. And, and see for yourself. Uh, but I'm, I'm eventually I'll do an international events version of this as well, which is what I'm going to do this time, but then I decided to focus on Yorkshire. But there you go. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you very much, Jimba. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening and watching the Waste of Web Space podcast. If you've been watching us live on Facebook or if you've been uh, watching us on YouTube or maybe you're listening to us on many of the podcasting platforms, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever you've been listening on or however you've been getting the Waste of Web Space podcast, we appreciate it very much. And we'd appreciate even more if you could write us a review or give us a bit of feedback or even... If you want to get involved, if there's anything you want to tell us, maybe there's a new story, or if you've got an idea for a quiz, uh, then we appreciate that as well. Uh, so thank you very yeah. much for listening. Get in touch at Waste of Web Space on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, there's also Waste of Web Space Facebook page and uh, wasteofwebspace.co.uk if you want to have a look on there as well. Yeah, we've done 30 episodes now this year, I think, haven't we? Just 50 at Christmas last year, so we're podcasting like you wouldn't believe during this lockdown period. Hopefully we'll get another sort of five or six in before the year finishes, which will be good. Yeah, and then next year we'll we'll have our big hundred. So yeah. you're going to have to do a quiz about people who are hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll get my cricket bat out and sort of raise it up above my head when we get to hundred. <laughs> you reckon? Right. So uh, thank well, you very much, Fisher. And we'll cheers, see, Jim we'll thank see, you very much. See you, see you soon. all again soon. Well, not see you soon, but virtual. I'll see you soon. Bye bye. See you later. Bye bye.